Not all heroes wear capes, but all moms are heroes. Welcome to the podcast for moms, not all heroes wear capes with your hosts, Betsy Pendergrass and Tina Smith. We want you to know that we hear you and we see you. Join us weekly for laughs, serious talks, and occasional tears as we share with you funny stories and serious chats on all things mothering. Our prayer is that your time here will be an encouragement as we walk this journey with you together. Welcome back to Not All Heroes Wear Capes, a mom podcast. I'm Tina. And I'm Betsy. And we're so excited to be here with you today. Today, we are going to tackle talking about the strong-willed child. Oh, Uh, the Lord be with us. Yes. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I have have four, but I think all four of them are strong-willed in different ways. Would that's you say? a really good way to put it. Yes, that's a yeah. really good way to put it. I had one, uh, though, and I think the one we talk about the most is the one that's outwardly strong-willed, like vocally strong-willed. Am I right? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm gonna, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, just for an example of, of that child. So I... We had drawn a line in the sand that day, and um, I said, that's it. I cannot take this anymore. You have got to, you just go sit out on the porch. Like, if you cannot, if if you're not going to listen, if you're going to keep acting up, go sit on the porch right now and tell you just your attitude. And she went outside and proceeded to pitch the biggest fit of all fits on our back porch. And I just went about my business until finally my neighbor two doors down called and said, uh, Betsy, what's going on at your house? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you and I, like we've had several young moms I have, and you have as well talking about, you know, like, how do you handle these strong will kids? And now we're like trapped with them in the house, you know? And, <laughs> and I was like, well, I can tell you what not to do. And you were the same way. It's like, oh, I don't feel like I handled that the best way I could have. And honestly, like, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to name any names to protect the children that are ours. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they know who they are, but, um, you know, I don't, I think I had the strong-willed child, but I didn't realize it was a strong-willed child until like all hell broke loose in my house. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh my, it was pretty sin. clear around here, sister. <laughs> yeah, it was clear, but I was so like naive. Like I am the queen of denial. Like I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I have a kid that's quite honestly like me because <laughs> I am so strong willed and those apples don't fall far from the tree at all. So here I am with this strong-willed child who, you know, is just, it's her way or the highway. And I'm like, what do I do? 
And my reaction to that was one of fear. Like if I really, it was one of fear, but it was also one of will against will. And that didn't work out too good either. Like I was afraid if I did what I had to do, then they would hate me for the rest of my life. When in actuality, if I don't stand up and be who I'm supposed to be, they will hate me for the rest of their life. Does that make sense? Like I have to enforce those boundaries. Yeah. And what you're saying is exactly spot on with, with what I experienced too, because it was, um, I was so, I was driven by the fear of what other people would think if my child acted like this in front of them. Right. So I was, it was a fear of what other people would think, but it often came to, she, she's going to be stubborn. Well, I'm going to be more stubborn. Right. It, I would be like a mule dug in. Like, yes. <laughs> by darn, you are not getting your way in this. And, and to be honest, um, <laughs> looking back now, uh, my motivations were not a, not uh, good ones, and and my perspective stunk. Yeah, to, to be mine really too. Mine too. I'll tell you what shook me out of it. I think this child was two, and I had you know, imposed the threat. And I said, if you do this, then blah, blah, blah. And they proceeded to do exactly what I told them I would blah, blah, blah. And I didn't follow through. And I had a girlfriend that looked at me and said, do you think she's going to believe you if you don't enforce that? Ooh, slap across the face. I went, oh. And it was really cool because then they came alongside of me and I was a single mom with a strong-willed child at that time and really coached me in how to handle a lot of that stuff as a parent. And for me, some of the things I learned, here's some of the things I learned that kind of changed the tide for me is that a strong-willed child really needs to know what the boundaries are, but they also need them enforced. Yeah. And I was the enforcer. Consistently. Consistent. Yes. Very consistent and a very structured type of an environment. Like this is how it works kind of thing. Does that make sense? Like there has Absolutely. to be structure. And then the other thing that I learned was, and this was valuable to me. Um, one of our pastors was teaching a class and he I can't even remember the book, but I started reading this book on strong-willed ch children. And one of the things that said in there was, if they don't win in what they want to do, if they control your emotion, they win. They're in control. So it was, I had to learn, I'm an emotionally charged person anyway, in my flesh, outside of the Holy Spirit. And so I had to learn how to really be deadpan in my responses to that child, because if they got my emotion going, it was a win for them. That was hard for yes. me. That was hard for me. But I learned to be really emotionless in dealing with that child. And the other thing I had to learn was I'm their mom, not their friend. You can't be Absolutely. your, it doesn't matter whether they're strong-willed or not. You're the mom, you're not their friend, but I will tell you when they get to be adults, you get to be their friend, but not until they're yeah, paying their own if, bills. 
Yeah, go but ahead. <laughs> if, if we will be the parent while they're children, mm-hmm. we may earn the right to be a friend when they're adults. That's absolutely right. And I'm living in that right now where I have three adult children who are paying their own bills and putting a roof over their head. I get to be their friend now. And it's so fun because I don't have to parent them anymore. Like I've, yeah. the, unless they ask me to. I just had a revelation. Oh, let's hear I it. I think, Lord, just don't let me forget it before I say it out of my mouth. I think <laughs> that if we try to be their friend, it forces our children to have to parent us. Oh, yeah. And it gets all out of whack. Oh, that's way too much responsibility for a child. They, they don't, they are not prepared. They are not equipped no. to set their own boundaries Mm-mm. and make their own decisions as children. That's it's right. It's expecting them to behave like adults and it's not fair. It's, it's, it's not. It's, um, it's putting a pressure emotionally um, on them that their little brains are not capable of mm-hmm. handling. Who is it? James Dobson wrote that book about boys. Um, oh, I'll put a link to that book in the, in the show notes on our websites, but I, I've got the name of it. I just can't think of it right now, but he talks about the maturation of boys' brains, mm-hmm. especially boys Yes, and how long it takes for their actual brains to mature to where they can make adult decisions. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, they are adults before they can make adult decisions. Their bodies the are big. Like, yeah. But their brains aren't developed. Isn't yes. it like 25 before the frontal lobe is developed? Fully, completely developed. Exactly. And I have one that's 21 who's strong-willed and is on their own with a career and putting food on their table. And they're still, they're just 21. And there's, and there's times when I just kind of shake my head and go, okay. <laughs> Because they're that frontal lobe, getting them to think beyond the ends of their noses is challenging sometimes. And sometimes, and here's the other thing with a strong-willed child, sometimes they have to hit the wall doing about 25, 20, 20, 250 miles an hour, you know, and especially when they get older, I have found, but here's the good news. Once God gets a hold of the heart of a strong-willed child, they are immovable. Oh, they are not going to shift. They are not going to shift. And I know God, those strong-willed kids are your shakers and your movers. And they're the ones that change things. They change the environment around them. So what are some practical things we can give the moms that are listening to us who are sitting at home with their strong-willed child who flat out refuses to do what they're asking them to do? We've both been there. It's hard. hard. Like I'm seriously, uh, there is absolutely nothing that we're saying that is easy. So Mm -mm. this is a, you have been chosen and given a strong willed child because you are capable of doing this with God's help. Um, I look at families who have all group, you know, kids, a whole entire group of children who are not strong willed. They're just these complacent, mild children. I think, why are my children, I would think this as a young mom, why are my children not behave like that? Well, that's because they're called to something else. Mm -hmm. Those children are being trained up in that atmosphere for a reason. And I was given a household of four strong willed people because God knew Taylor and I could handle it through his help. Um, I'm not on our own. 
Right, right. <laughs> but I'm saying that to say you guys are heroes because you're called to a hard work and that's raising a strong-willed child. And, and sometimes it takes just flat out laying down on the ground before the Lord and going, I can't do this by myself. That's I, need right. your, I need you to tell me what to do in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say not every battle is the battle to be fought. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes with our strong-willed ones, we get so frustrated that we make everything into a battle. I did that. Please. I did hear that. Me say, yeah, you I did do that. not have, to, everything does not have to be a battle, Mm-mm. but I am telling you, there are some battles that you have got to be consistent on and be consistent on them every single time. And some of those around our house were, um, the way that we, okay. I don't want this to sound wrong, but like the way they treat you as mom is significant. Um, Taylor had a rule. It was like, you don't hit mama, Mm -hmm. even as little ones. Mm -hmm. And, and there was a reason for that because it was a boundary and it was teaching them. And we had conversations as they got older, like, you know, why you don't do that. But when they're little, it's training. It's not reasoning. With, with little ones, they, they're not reason, reasonable. <laughs> That's, no, they're, you can't reason so, with, with young children. They're not capable. No. They're not capable. If you listen to Chip Ingram's um, parent, uh, effective parenting in a defective world, I've gone, I've taught women that moms that, and he said zero to five is nothing but obedience, nothing but obedience ages six, seven, eight, that's building relationship with your kids. It isn't until they get to be about 11 that you can start, that they're able to cognitively reason, be reasoned with. And I see so many moms trying to reason with a two-year-old. They are not capable in their brains of being, of reasoning. And it's. We used a timeout chair and we used a wooden spoon. Mm -hmm. Did you use a wooden spoon? Yes. We did. Mm-hmm. We had, we had a timeout chair and we mm-hmm. had a wooden spoon. Yeah. And if it was one of our, uh, and it might help with, to you, for you and your husband to really establish what things are most important to you, Correct. the ones that you don't want to flex on mm-hmm. and what, what are things that, that are flexible. Um, but if they broke those things, then we, if they push that boundary, then they had to go to timeout or they had to get a spanking. And mm-hmm. they knew what they were. And we would say, mm-hmm. the choices you're making right now are, you know, going in the wrong direction. One thing that somebody told us one time, and we have to remember we're training. This is a training ground. And if we'll be consistent in our training, then chances are it'll pay off in the long run. And it does. But it does. It does. And she told me, she said, um, she encouraged us to be consistent in all things, but when they were little, not to flex on those non-negotiables because what, what it ended up doing was it communicated to them. If they never got a no and were held to it mm-hmm. long-term, what does that teach a child? Right. They're not, they don't have to listen to no. Well, guess who else that translates to that or translates to our relationship with our father in right. heaven. Right. So if we can't learn right. to hear no on the earth, what does mm-hmm. that also mean with our father? Yeah. Like it's ridiculous to think we aren't going to get no. And we've got to learn and be trained how to deal with no. Right. As as children and then into adulthood, or we're going to, 
crash and burn in big ways. Well, and our kids are going to crash and burn because if we don't teach them within confines of our, the safe environment of our home, somebody is going to teach them boundaries. And I would much rather it be me. And the younger you start, the better it is with a with strong-willed child. Um, consistency is key. Being it consistent. Um, I was parenting, single parenting, the strong-willed child then got remarried. And bless my second husband. He constantly was like, you've got to be consistent. You have to. And he would just, he was on me about that because he's yes. like, I, you have to have control over this child while I'm at work. You know, it, it can't always be, well, wait till dad gets home. It has, you are the one. And he said, that's going to come from consistency. And so he stood behind me and I had to be respectful of that from him too, and not fight my husband on that, you know, and then, well, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, Taylor was the same way. He would really coach me about consistency because mm -hmm. that was the hardest thing for me was to, to follow through. Um, but he would, one of the things that he stayed on him hard about was the way that they talked to me. Yes. And, and as a kid, that's something that I had a problem with myself. Mm -hmm. I, did I too. talked so hateful to my mother. I was too. And I was angry and I took it out on mm -hmm. her because she was the safest place. Right. Well, when she married my stepfather, mm -hmm. he came in and I'm t I was 10th grade and mm -hmm. he looked at me one day and there was fire in his eyes and he said, you will never talk to your mother like that again. Right. And I didn't know what he was going to do, but I did not want to find out. And I never did it again after that's that, right. but he drew a line and I knew I was <clears> not crossing it. Yep. And, and that's so important because if they don't learn respect for earthly authority, they will never learn respect for their heavenly authority. And that's what we're teaching them ultimately in obedience. If we don't teach them obedience, learning obedience to God is going to be a whole lot harder. And I know that for a fact, because I never learned obedience to my parents. And then I had to hit a wall doing 500 miles an hour, not once, but twice before God got a hold of my heart. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn, but it was because a lot of it was because I didn't learn it as a child. And I didn't learn that those boundaries had to be enforced, that I could push through those boundaries without any pushback at all from any kind of authority. So I, I think, you know, we have to, you said it, we have to think long-term, what are we thinking? But practically speaking, you know, it, it becomes a battle of them learning who's in control. And I have actually said out loud to my kids, the sooner you figure out who's in control in this house, the happier we're all going to be. And, you know, them learning that, you know what, mom is an authority, dad is an authority, and I need to fall underneath that authority. And, um, come in line with that. And they do eventually. It's a breaking of their will, but not their spirit. I think Dobson used to teach that in his Dare to Discipline. It was a breaking of that will, but not their spirit. And that's a delicate balance. There's a resource that I've used um, many, many, many times, and I want to share a link to it as well. Uh, but it talks about the 
the issues that they have that we see, like mm -hmm. if it's anger and it, then it, that worksheet talks about where the root of anger comes from. So often what we see as parents acted out in our children is not really the root of what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. If they're scared or they're lonely or they aren't um, getting something that they need, oftentimes it comes out in other emotions. Mm -hmm. It's their go-to emotion. And so we saw, I would try to punish the outward expression and never deal with the root of you. And yes. one of the things that Danny Silk wrote, he wrote a book that was as absolutely a phenomenal parenting book. I'll share that one too. But he talks about making the boundaries, making the punishment appropriate to the situation. Right. Um, he it, keep it as tight to the thing that like, um, you know, if they didn't, um, clean the dishes up, then make the boundary be appropriate to that. Right. Like, you don't get a spanking because you didn't clean the dishes up, but mm -hmm. there's something, you know, maybe you don't eat again until mm -hmm. you've done the chore or like make it, make it be something that they associate with the incident and not necessarily, oh, when dad gets home, you're going to get a spanking for, right. for doing this thing. No, you know, you leave your shoes outside. Well, maybe you have to go if you, oh gosh, here's one. We had a kid who always forgot his shoes. Mm -hmm. always forgot his shoes <laughs> when we were going places. Oh my gosh. And, and there was a situation where we were like, I'm sorry, you, mm -hmm. you're just going to have to go into church without your shoes on mm -hmm. because, yes. and that was, and do you think he's forgotten his shoes since then? Nope. No, no, there's natural consequences to choices. And I think that's what we want to teach our kids is that, you have choices and, and the walk, a walk with Jesus Christ is about choices. God gave, gave us a free will. Well, we, that free will has to be used to make right choices. Yes. And so if you make this choice, this is the consequence of that choice. And you can make choices that have good consequences and you can make choices that have bad consequences. One of the things that we did in our home, and, and this was for all of our kids, was that if you left something out at night after we gave you time to pick things up. We had what we called a Saturday box and I would go around at night and whatever was left out that wasn't taken care of got put in the Saturday box. That means if you left your backpack sitting around or your books or your homework or whatever, we got put in the Saturday box and that was the consequence for you not doing what you were asked to do. And then on Saturdays, we would get the Saturday box out and they could take out their stuff that was collected throughout the week and they would have to put it away. If they didn't come get their stuff out of the Saturday box, it was mine. And those are the- That is brilliant. It, it taught them consequences. I mean, there were times when they lost gym clothes and then they had to like say to their teacher, I'm sorry, I didn't pick it up. Or the other thing was back in the day when you packed your lunch for your kids' lunches, I would pack their lunch and leave it for them. And if they forgot it, I did not take it to school. They had to figure it out. And they did. There were only maybe once or twice where they forgot their lunches. You know, those are the natural consequences of poor choices. And it taught them responsibility. 
you know, but you can't cave as a mom. And you were talking about how hard consistency is for a mom. You know why? Because we have a mother's heart. We are the nurturers. We're the ones who protect and nurture and keep them safe. And that's why consistency is so hard for us, but it's so much easier for our husbands. Lean into that. God gave our kids a mom and a dad, and there's a reason for that. Sometimes I thought the punishment or the discipline was a little harder than what I would have done, but that's exactly what they needed at the time. I'm just thinking, hearing you, Tina, we're going to need to hold, do a whole specific one just on discipline because that like you, yeah. just all of that you said right there there's so many parts of that we could discuss and I think that that's a really needed conversation is is just specifically one on discipline because it is hard and it's really easy to defer to our husbands and say okay you're the disciplinarian right and that's painting a whole nother picture we don't want to paint either so I, I'd like to I'd like for us to have that conversation and one of the things I want to challenge you guys is sometimes we can get so frustrated and overwhelmed with the choices our kids are making that that's all we see. We get our focus on our kids and their attitudes or their poor choices. And the truth is in those places, we got to, we got to get back. We got to step away. Mm -hmm. We got to get our focus on the Lord. And we need to ask him, God, how do you see my kid? Mm -hmm. How is it you're seeing them? What are the gifts? What are the things that I need to see right now? And you give me perspective. You give me a vision for walking forward with the child today, because I just want to throw him in the trash can. And, (laughs) and he will help us because he's faithful. And he promises us that he gives us everything that we need according to his riches and glory. And we can trust him to, to help us right where we are, even with our, with our strong-willed children. Yeah, it, it's so refining in my life as what, you know, this whole strong-willed thing. But I just want to say to you moms out there, we see you and we hear you and we've been there and we live to tell about it and our children are alive and thriving <laughs> and you will yes. get, you will get through it. It's not easy, but you know, if you know somebody who's an older mom that has strong-willed children, talk to her, you know, tap into that resource. But I know we haven't covered near enough, you know, for these moms. It's so hard. No, we've just scratched the surface. We have scratched the surface, but we're going to come back with the discipline and wanna- all that stuff. So I want to pray for you guys. So Lord, I just thank you for each one of these dear moms who is wanting resolution, wanting direction, needing help. And we thank you that you are our helper, that you promise to meet us right where we are. We thank you for these children that you've given us as a gift. Um, They are a blessing from you, but God help us to steward this gift well. Lord, I bind any fear of what other people think Lord, help us not make our decisions based on what is someone still going to think if my kid acts like this or um, if we're thinking, um, if we're so focused on our kids' struggles that we miss the the um, blessings that they bring or if we're so um, unaware of how to deal with it that we just don't do anything at all. I just pray for each and every one of these moms um, for you to give them divine direction for each one of these children, because they're not all the same. They're Mm -hmm. even all of our strong-willed kids are very, very different, Mm -hmm. but you know, the keys to their hearts. And that's what we're about is winning their hearts and drawing them to you. That's the whole purpose, God, 
that we are called to be shepherds of our children to lead them to you. So God, let us represent your heart well um, to them as a parent, that they might see you and all that we say and do. Give us faces that show your love because you dearly love each one of us, but help us to be steady and consistent so that they know you're steady and consistent too. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. valuable your time is and we are so thankful you chose to spend some of it with us today we hope you've been encouraged you can find betsy at gatheringaround.com and tina at raisingkidsonyourknees.org enjoy your day and we will see you again next week